I was sharing about living from the inside out. And today, we're going to continue looking at that. And before we do, I was just thinking about, uh, last week um, or two weeks ago, I talked about just um, a bit about driving, didn't I? And talked about my escapades with sat-navs. And I, I, am a dr- I am an okay driver. I am a good driver. I know I mentioned I crashed my car after four hours after having it. And actually, I crashed it after four hours and it took three months to repair. <laughs> they, had to pl- they had to kind of ship in a, um, a dashboard all the way from South Korea in order to repair the car. So anyway, that's that. But I've got another story for you about driving. <laughs> Well, there's a few things I could tell you. I could tell you that I never actually learned to reverse parallel park. My teacher, my driving instructor, thought that I was doing really well and we're driving. I was progressing really quickly. So he decided to um, wait until the day of the test to teach me how to reverse parallel park, and I didn't get it. And anyway, 27 years later, I still haven't got it. And um, even when we go out, I'm like praying, and the Lord is very, very good, and often he gives me two spaces to try and get in. And on the times that he doesn't, we literally have to stop the car and Dave has to jump in and then I have to get in the other thing and he has to sort it out. But I'm not going to tell you, well, I've just told you about that, but that wasn't the story I was going to tell you. The other admission I have got to tell you is I'm not that great at driving at night. Is anyone else find, does anyone else find it difficult to drive at night? I just, don't you? No, I just really find it difficult to drive at night. I don't know what it is. I just find it really disorientating. And um, I've always found it like this. And I find if I'm like on a road and it's, just, it's a quiet road and it's just me, or there's a car in front of me and we're going in the same direction, I'm good with that. I'm okay. But it's when a car and it's dark and there's no, you know, like in lanes and stuff and where there's no street lamps and stuff illuminating everything. I find like when a car is coming in the opposite direction to me, I get really disorientated and I like, I don't know where to look. And, but it's dangerous because... Um, because I find myself veering towards the source of light that's coming towards me. And I do, like, I can remember about a year ago, we were driving in Swansea. We were driving down these little lanes coming back from, um, coming back. Oh, the other thing I do in the lanes as well, sometimes if it's really narrow, the Lord is good, is if it's really narrow and there's a car coming towards me, I just shut my eyes and pray that we don't end up crashing. It's just this instinct. I don't know. But praise the Lord, I'm still here. The kids are all here. So he's helping us and protecting us. But anyway, we were driving through um, the lanes in Swansea, coming back from a silly, and there's no street lamps or anything. And we're driving. And then I was fine. Dave was driving, I was fine with it, and then all of a sudden this car came from another place. And I'm literally like this, and I'm like, Dave, how do you know where the road is? Like, because you're looking at these lights, and I just don't know what to do, and I I honestly don't know what to do. I've learned what to do now. Dave gave me a little lesson. I'm going to teach you it as well. So I'm like, well, how do you do it? Because these lights come, and then all of a sudden I'm looking at the lights, and then I'm not really sure where the lane is that I'm in and where where the road is going. And he just said to me, Faye, look down. I said, what do you mean look down? He said, look down at the road because I find myself looking at the headlights of the person. I'm not really familiar with the road. Therefore, I don't really know where I'm going. So I begin like going towards the light and he's just like, look down, look down. I was like, I was, so I was like, right. He said, look, now he said, go on. He said, look down. And as I look down, all of a sudden I realized when I looked down that my lights actually illuminate the little white strip in the middle of the road so that I can see where the lane is and also I was able to see where the hedges were and everything and he was like just look down I was like why don't they teach you that when you're driving because like I was 
getting all disorientated because I'm looking up and looking at the headlights coming towards me. But if you're ever in that situation and, there's, and it's a bit distracting, look down and all of a sudden you see the road and you see the road markings and you're able to navigate. So anyway, I was like, this was a revelation to me. And, and then all of a sudden the scripture in the, um, in the Bible came back to me from Psalm 119. 105 and it says this your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path it's a lamp to my feet you know sometimes when life is coming towards you and it's like you don't know where to look it was like the Lord said look down my word is a lamp unto your feet and it will help you to navigate don't get distracted by what's coming and you begin veering towards it just actually look Look down and let his word direct you. And I love that about the word of God. I love that the word of God isn't filled with a load of rubbish that means nothing to our lives. It's not useless information that God has taken painstaking lengths over centuries to gift us with. But the word of God is practical for our everyday lives because he's invested in you and I. He wants the best for our lives. He doesn't want us to struggle. Do you think he created the world? Do you think he created humanity to see them go through a lot of tough stuff? That's not the purpose of our existence. God wants us to live a life that's representative of who he is. Jesus said that he came to give us life and life more abundantly. And God, through his word, has given us his scriptures to guide us, to show us how to navigate. Yes, life is not a fairy tale. It's not all perfect, but in the midst of the ups and downs of life, the word of God comes to illuminate the path before us and direct us to help us navigate the situations that we find ourselves in. And I find that so, so encouraging. His word is guidance for our lives. His word is guidance for our souls and our spirits. And what I love about the word of God is that he takes us as a whole person. His instruction towards us will teach us in relation to maturing in our spiritual lives. But also God's word to us teaches us how to live life as well. How to live life well. How to, to react to situations. How to treat other people how to navigate things and his word actually will help us in our physical bodies his word if we will receive the word of God it will instruct us and become life to and health to our bodies and that's what we began looking at two weeks ago we looked at the wisdom contained in Proverbs 17 where it talks about our lives and how our health is impacted and how we can live a life from the inside out that's flourishing, which causes our health to flourish as well. So I want us to look again at that scripture from Proverbs 17, 22. And it says, a merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. I love the translation of the Passion Translation where it says, A joyful, cheerful heart brings healing to both body and soul. But the one whose heart is crushed struggles with sickness and depression. Last week, as we began to explore this whole idea of living from the inside out, we began to realize that when the Bible talks about a merry heart, he's not talking about our physical organ of our heart, but he's actually talking about our inner man. He's talking about our mind, our will, our emotions, and our understanding. And we began to explore what it actually means to have a merry Merry heart. What does merry mean? Because the word of God says that a merry heart is going to be good for us like a medicine. So what is a merry heart? And we began to understand and read that a merry heart means a joyful heart. 
It means a rejoicing heart. It means a glad heart, and it means a cheerful heart. And two weeks ago, we began to look at those first two facets of joy and rejoicing. So I'm just going to spend a few moments just recapping on this, because this scripture is so, so important. Scriptures that were written thousands of years ago, science is now substantiating everything that God has said. Because the body is amazing and the way that we live from the inside out actually impacts our bodies. And now scientists show that people with a positive outlook for life, people with a positive positive attitude, it actually has positive impacts on our health and our bodies. It enables us to cope better in times of stress and in times of hardship and also it improves our psychological and our physical well-being. It even increases our lifespan. So this merry heart that God is talking about that's good for us like medicine is a scripture we want to take notice of. I do. I want to take notice of it. I don't want to have a broken and crushed spirit which is going to see my body struggle. I want to have a spirit and a heart that's buoyant and merry because it's going to be life and health to my bones. So as we looked at joy last week, we read about the fact that actually happiness and joy are two very different things and not to be confused. Happiness is an emotion, it's a feeling, but it's a fleeting feeling because happiness is often linked to a positive circumstance. The difference between happiness and joy is that happiness is an emotion that's fleeting, but joy is a state of being. And it's something that is given to us by God. And it's not dependent on good circumstances. Joy operates even in the midst of trial and in the midst of difficulty. We read in Romans 15 where it talks about God being the source of our joy, where it says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy. God's not a half-measure God. He will fill us completely with his joy as we trust in him. We have joy because we're anchored to him. Got nothing to do with how we feel. It's a state of being that he promises us when we align ourselves to him and invite Jesus into our hearts. We looked at Philippians 4.4 where it says, Be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life, every season, not just summer and spring, but also winter as well. Why can we be joyous in every season? It says, let the joy overflow for you are united with the anointed one. Our joy comes from who we are connected to. We are connected to God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the source of all joy, who promises us joy. God didn't promise us happiness, but he did promise us his joy. And we looked last week at how we can live with joy in a daily life. What things we can do to cultivate joy within our lives. It's been gifted to us from God. So is there anything that we can do to encourage joy to flow from our lives? Well, we looked at last week about the fact because God is the source of joy, that taking time to know him, to spend time in his word, to be in his presence is actually going to cause us to have joy. I love what it says in Jeremiah 15, 16. It says, when I discovered your words, I devoured them. 
The word of God is for us to have. And I love that Jeremiah says, when I discovered it, I devoured it. It says, for they are my joy and my heart's delight. Our joy is linked with devouring the word of God. When we read it, it's food for our bodies. It strengthens us in our spirit and in our emotions. And it will be our joy. And then Acts 2.28, we read that Peter said, You have shown me the way of life, and you fill me with the joy of your presence. There's nothing like being in the presence of God. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. So each day we need to make sure like we take time to feed our bodies with food, otherwise we get quite grumpy. Well, I do anyway. If I get hungry, if I'm hungry. So if we are putting aside, aside time daily to feed ourselves and nourish our bodies, we need to feed and nourish our inner man as well. And we need to take time to feast on the Word of God and to bask in the presence of Jesus. And when we do that, we will find that joy will be overflowing from our lives. So we looked at that one aspect of joy. We also then looked at rejoicing. And we talked about the fact that there's many things in our world that would cause to us to want to have our attention drawn to it. There's many things that we elevate in this life. But actually, the one thing, the prize, the thing that we should elevate beyond all other things is the fact that we should rejoice in God, our Lord and Savior. To rejoice to means to feel and show great joy and delight. Each day, we talked last, a few weeks ago, about the fact about we need to make sure we take time. And I, I said, I would encourage us to do this at the outset of the day. Start the day well, rejoicing in the Lord. And we looked at what we should rejoice in. What do we rejoice in? And we talked about the fact that we should rejoice in the incredible works that God has done. If we will spend time every day to remember through Scripture and through our lives what God has done, it will flow from us. It will bubble up from us. Our praise and our thanksgiving and worship will just come from our inner being as we remember all that He has done, all that He's achieved for us through His salvation, through our salvation by Him laying down His life for us on the cross. I love what it says in Psalm 92, verse 4. It says, you thrill me, Lord, with all that you have done for me. When we meditate on what he has done, we can't help but be joyful inside. We can't help but have a rejoicing in our hearts. And it says, I will sing for joy because of what you have done. Each day as we take time to consider what the Lord has done for us, we will find that our mood will change. You cannot think about the word of God, think about all that God's done for you personally, and then recount what he's done through the beginning of time and not to come away with our perspective changed. Rejoicing changes our perspective. It aligns our thoughts, takes it away from ourselves because let's be honest, a lot of our time we think about me, myself, and I. But we're like fallible. We're imperfect. If I'm going to focus all my attention on me, I am going to be depressed. And I don't want to start my day and I don't want to go through my life looking at all the ways in which I have shortcomings. I want to actually feast and think about my Lord and Savior who I am aligned and joined with. And I want to think about all that he's done. And in doing it, it lifts our spirit. It causes us to have a spring in our steps. It impacts our emotions. So if you ever find yourself dipping in your emotions, just start rejoicing. 
Forget what's going on and just start lifting your eyes beyond the circumstances and lifting your voice and praise and thanking God for all that he's done. Thanking him for his faithfulness through the generations, his unfailing love towards us, his mercy and his grace that follows us, his goodness that goes before us. Thinking about all those things will change our emotions immediately. It can't help but change when we focus on God because he's so big and so great and so wonderful. So we looked at those aspects a few weeks ago, and today I want us to focus on the other facet of what a merry heart is and look at being glad and being cheerful. There's no better place to live from than living from and living with a glad and cheerful heart. And the alternatives are pretty bleak. We have a choice to make. We can either choose to be glad or we choose not to be glad. And the scripture actually talks about the outcomes of making the decision to not be glad and not be cheerful. So let me just read some of these for us just so that we can really understand what we're, what we're doing here. Because God's word is so simple to us, but when we don't put it into practice and we don't follow its instruction for our lives, it actually has quite big consequences. As a parent, I'm always teaching my children and always saying to my children, every choice has a consequence attached to it. It's a good choice or a bad choice, or a good consequence or a bad consequence. Sometimes the consequences of our decisions we don't see immediately, they happen down the line. But for all of us, it's the same. Every day we make choices, and every choice we make will have a consequence attached, good or bad. And so the Bible talks all the way through scripture, I set before you life and death. And what does it do? God even helps us. He says, I set before you life and death, choose life. <laughs> Just in case we're not sure what to do, choose life. And here we go. We've got the scriptures here saying, a merry heart doth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit will dry the bones. He's saying, hey, you've got a choice, merry or not merry. But look at the consequences of a merry heart versus the consequences of a broken heart. So what are the alternatives then? And what are the consequences of us not having a glad and cheerful heart? Well, the second, heart of Proverbs, um, the second part of Proverbs 17 says that a broken spirit dries the bones. It literally means to suck out the marrow. Proverbs 18.14 says this. But who can bear a broken spirit? Going back to our initial scripture about a merry heart in the Passion Translation I read earlier, it says, the one whose heart is crushed struggles with sickness and depression. Proverbs 15:13 says this, a sad heart makes it hard to get through the day. It's true, hey? And Proverbs 15, 15 says this, For the despondent, every day brings trouble. Sometimes it's not easy to live with a glad heart, a joyful heart, a merry heart, a rejoicing heart, because oftentimes circumstances aren't always favorable. But if we don't make the decision to live from a place of a merry heart, we're going to end up despondent, sad, struggling to get through the day. It affects our emotions. It affects the way that we live. And it impacts our health. I'm not sure about you, but when I read about rejoicing, cheerfulness, gladness, my Emo I, like, I can't say it with a sad sm a face because it makes me smile. But if I say the word sad, crushed, broken, despondent, that impacts my emotions. 
There's nothing like, it's, I'll tell you, these emotions are not on my bucket list for 2023. I am not thinking, give me more of them. And I'm not thinking I want these in my life either. Moving on beyond 2023, I don't want to be sad. I don't want to be crushed. I don't want to be broken. I don't want to be despondent. That's not my portion for my life because my God has told me that he's the source of my joy and that he will give me a merry heart. That's what I want. I love the film Pollyanna. Has anyone ever watched Pollyanna? Yes, a few of us. Okay, so as a child, I watched Pollyanna. There's a book written as well. I'm not sure if I got through the book. The film was much easier to read, uh, much easier to watch. But Pollyanna is all about a story of um, an orphaned girl whose parents were missionaries. And when she was orphaned, she was sent to live with her, um, her very rich and wealthy aunt in a town... Um, that her aunt basically ran um, because she was wealthy. But her aunt was really harsh and austere, and the town was really quite embittered. There was lots of feuds going on. People were being kind of controlled by this aunt. She had her hands everywhere, and there was, it was just quite a harsh and um, an oppressive environment, I suppose. There was nothing really that this town, um, you know, they couldn't think of anything good to say about one another and it was just an oppressive environment to come into and Pollyanna comes into the midst of this situation and she doesn't allow the circumstances that she finds herself in grieving the loss of her parents and equally coming into um, a, a situation in a town and a family environment that is so alien to what she's used to she doesn't allow her harsh environment to change her outlook in life. The thing is, because her parents were missionaries, her dad used to teach her about being glad. And in fact, she used to play a game with her father every day called the glad game. And the glad game was all about every day, whether the circumstance is good or whether the circumstance is bad, find something to be glad about. Find something to be glad about. When she was living with her parents, they were reliant on the, the gracious gift of other people. And at one time, she was sharing with somebody in the community that she, all she'd wanted was a little doll. Sounds a normal request for a little girl. And they used to have consignments come over, sent over for the missionaries. And she was expectant and she'd been praying for a doll. And when the consignment came, there was a doll. No doll, sorry, there was no doll. But she was given a pair of crutches. And the lady in the town that was listening to her said, well, how could you be glad about receiving a pair of crutches. She said, well, I looked at them and thought, well, I'm glad I don't have to use them. <laughs> and she just chose to find something to be glad about. She also went on to say, she would say things like this, if God took the trouble to tell us over 800 times in the Bible to be glad and rejoice, he must want us to do it some. 800 times the Bible um, talks about being glad and rejoicing. She went on to say to people, if you look for the bad in people, you'll surely find it. But if you look for the good in people, you'll surely find it too. And through her outlook in life, she actually transformed a whole community. I watched this film as a young girl, and I have to say, it impacted me. I thought, I want to be like Pollyanna. I want to be that girl that always looks for the best things in life. I want to be that girl that focuses on the good in people. I don't want to be going around with a critical spirit. I don't want to be looking for people's shortcomings and failures. I want to be the one that thinks, yeah, look at that about them. Look at that about them. I'm always telling my kids, do not use your mouths to bring people down. If you're going to speak about something, somebody only find something good to say about them. Only speak something well of somebody and make a choice every day to find something to be glad about and speak it out. Find somebody to encourage. Tell them something good. 
I love that it says... At the second part of um, Proverbs 15, I love that it says this, for the happy heart, life is a continual feast. How awesome is that? The Amplified says this, but a glad heart has a continual feast regardless of the circumstances. When do we feast? We feast at celebrations. Celebrations are a time when all the food comes out. A feast in my mind conjures up such great amounts of food and celebration and joy. And that's what our lives can be like if... We choose them to be like that. If we choose to approach each day with a glad heart, with a cheerful heart, where we don't look for things that are dragging us down, we're not looking for those things, but we say, no, I purpose today to be glad. I purpose in my heart to be glad. Why don't you say that? I purpose in my heart to be glad. So I want to just share some practical hints and instructions just for us to consider when we make that decision to purpose in our hearts to be glad. The first thing I want to say is consider the small things. Sometimes it's not the big things in life that get us down. Sometimes it's the culmination of the little things that just begin to drag and weigh us down. And as we find ourselves facing these over and over, what can happen is that we can find ourselves becoming anxious, becoming agitated, becoming burdened, and becoming stressed. Last um, week, um, last two weeks ago, I shared with you about when I crashed our car after having it for four hours. Well, that was not just an isolated event, it would appear, that, um, that summer. There were lots of things that started happening and they were little things it was like buying a brand new hoover and then the cable singed and that stopped working which meant I couldn't hoover my house not that I was overly bothered because I'm not a really a house proud person but it's just it's you got to sort this out now you know the hoover's broken then then Dave went to take Daniel out to a cub camp and when he did the dishwasher decided to explode all over the place filled up and must have emptied literally I was on my own with the three girls and it was like Noah's Ark in the house the, and the kitchen was flooded the lounge was flooded everything was flooded I was emptying like my airing cupboard trying to get towels to sort all of that everything was ruined we had to um spend ages trying to liaise with the um the insurance company to try and sort out all of the flooring then of course we went and bought this car and that had a backstory to it as well because we had put a deposit on a previous car and only found out it wasn't what it was meant to be so we had to try and get our deposit back then we finally get this car hoo-ha we are drive it home I crash it and then um and then we have to have a higher car and then we find out that um like I said the dashboard is going to take three months to come from South Korea to replace it and so we had the higher car we're like thank you Lord that we had guaranteed higher car on our part insurance policy so then like two weeks later we're getting ready to go camping we bought the car like our car because we go camping and we needed to um, put all our camping gear in so we didn't have that so we decided to like squeeze ourselves and squeeze everything into the higher car that we were given and then the day before we're going camping in Devon we get a phone call from the hire car company please can you return the car I'm like why and they said oh didn't anyone tell you you can only have the hire car for two weeks and I'm like what do you mean I said I've just found out that my car's going to be like a number of months off the road it was our only car. Dave cycles to work, so it was the only car. And I've got four young children. We're about to go on holiday. We're all packed up. And then they're telling me to return the hire car. They said, yeah, you need to return it back. And I said, well, can we try and sort this out? This was like on a Friday evening, so there wasn't a lot to be happened. They said, well, if you don't bring it back by tomorrow, um, we are going to start charging you by the day for this hire car. So it's like, okay. It's like, let's unpack the car, unpack 
the car, get everything out. Anyway, the Lord provided. He made provision for us, and we were able to go camping by borrowing a mini bus. <laughs> so we were like the clampets driving now. We've gone from squeezing everything into a tiny little car to all of a sudden driving. So we decided to leave at 5 o'clock in the morning to try and get down the motorway just because we didn't know what the parking situation was going to be like at our campsite coming with this massive minibus that we weren't expecting. But I say all this to say, like, it was just, it was just like a season of little things going on, going on, going on. And that's the way sometimes life works. The thing is, the Bible says that Jesus comes to give us life and life in abundance, but the enemy, the devil comes to seek, kill, and destroy. And sometimes the way that he does it is to try and rob us of our joy because he knows that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So if he can rob us of our joy, he's going to rob us for our, from our strength to allow us to get through these situations. And in that time, it was just little things that could have not without being aware, it could have began to just weigh you down. And each day I can remember having to just not feel weighed down. I had to make a decision to rejoice. I had to make a decision to be glad. I had to make a decision. And I say that to say in your lives, you may find that perhaps you're going through some really big things at the moment. And you know, as you navigate those big things, you're mindful of the fact that you've, you need to retain and really anchor into God to ask him to be the source of your joy. But also, if you're going through little things, just be mindful of, sometimes we don't realize how those little things are there just to wear us down and cause our gladness to wane and cause our rejoicing heart to go and cause our joy to disappear. And in doing that, we end up losing our strength. So the first thing is consider the little things. The second thing I want to say in relation to gladness is to consider our focus. Let's evaluate what takes up our headspace. What kind of conversations do you have with yourself about yourself or about other people? What do we think about? What do we talk about? What do we, um, what do we meditate on? Are our conversations to ourselves uplifting? Or when we're thinking and talking to ourselves, do we find we're focusing more on struggles, on failures and shortcomings being our own or other people's shortcomings? Because our focus is really important. The thing is, whatever we magnify in our lives, we exalt, we give it a platform. So we need to make sure that our focus is correct and that we're not magnifying and giving a platform to things that are going to cause us to drag us down. If we magnify hurt, unforgiveness, bitter experiences, being let down by other people, if we magnify the hard times and memories from the past, they will be exalted in our lives. And when we exalt them in our lives, we give them power to control us. And God doesn't want us to be controlled by things that are going to bring us down, that are going to break our spirit. That are, causing, that are going to cause us to be sad and despondent, crushed and broken. If you look through the Psalms, you see that David went through a pretty tough life. Some of it of his own doing and other times it was not of his own doing. And we look through the whole of Psalms and we see his cry and his plea to God in the midst of everything that he navigated but also we see a great thing about how he focuses his attention in the midst of the ups and downs of life. Does he magnify himself? I mean, hey, he's king. He's got a, you know, he's achieved it. Does he magnify himself? Or is he magnifying the hard times, the struggles, the um, adversity that he faces, the abandonment? Does he magnify that? I love what David says here in Psalm 34. He says this about magnification. 
Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. David was very specific about what he magnified. Not because he didn't have other things going around in his life that were, um, that it wasn't like his life was perfect, so it was easy to magnify only good things. He had a lot going on, but he was very purposeful in what he magnified. He would not magnify any of those things. Yes, he would cry out to the Lord about them, but he did not allow them to be the, the things that he magnified. He chose to magnify the Lord. He chose to magnify the Lord and exalt his name and his encouragement to other people was let's exalt his name together. The thing is, the things that we magnify are going to impact our outlook. If we are living from the inside out, we need to be mindful that it's not our outward experiences that determine and guide the way our lives go. It's actually our heart that determines our direction. We looked at it last week. Guard your heart above all else, for from it guides your life. It will guide your life. Your heart will guide your life. Therefore, our focus of our attention is so important. We have to choose to magnify the Lord. We have to choose to rejoice, choose to to be joyful, and we have to choose to elevate those things that are going to be life and health to our body, which means that we've got to be really firm with ourselves. I've, I, I've honestly, I can't tell you, I've, I'm still living it out, but I literally, all the time, I'm making sure, like when things happen, um, I just, I refuse to contemplate it. I heard something the other day um, about my, my kids have been doing their exams, Daniel doing his A-levels, and the girls are doing their GCSEs, so we've had three exam things, and one of the girls were coming home and telling me a bit about um, an exam and just something... And I could feel myself getting anxious as she was talking about this situation. And I literally, I, I said to Dave later, I said, she told me this and I just had to be, Faye, no, you're not thinking about this now. You are not carrying, you are not thinking about this because I could feel it. I could feel it inside me. I could feel as she was telling me, I could feel the impact that if I continue to allow this to just go around in my mind and what she'd said to me and the possible impacts, I could feel that it was going to affect me. And I was like, no, I'm not allowing this. I am not allowing my mind to focus on this. You constantly have to make a decision to focus on the right things. Sometimes we put way too much attention on the wrong things, the tough parts of life. We consume ourselves with it and then we wonder why we're sad and broken and crushed and have no strength to get through the day and everything feels like a drudgery. We've got to change the way that we think. We've got to change our focus because God knows us from the inside out. That's why he wrote it in the word. And here's the thing. The Bible says his way are not our ways. So it's natural for us to want to rehearse the situation, the trial, the hurt, whatever, the disappointment, the letdown. It's natural for us to want to do this. But we have to make a decision and say, actually, that's not what God says for me to do. So it may be natural, but I'm choosing not to do it. I am choosing to follow the way of the Lord. Jesus' words in the Gospels, are similar to what we hear David say. In John 16, it says, In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. He was like, actually place your focus on me. Don't place your focus there. When you place your focus on God, you can't help but have a happy heart. Don't focus on the tribulation. Don't magnify the mess. Magnify the Messiah. We shouldn't be magnifying the wrong things. Magnify him, not the situations that are going around in our lives. We see this. Dave's been talking about it in the life of Paul. And we see Paul's encouragement to us as fellow believers to live like this. Let this be the gold standard for our lives. 
In Colossians 1, we see that Paul says this, Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things where? Above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your heart, minds on things above, not earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden in Christ with God. God is giving us keys. He's giving us keys to live a long, healthy, happy life. We've got to get our focus in the right direction. We've got to allow our focus to be set on him. Yes, stuff happens, but don't let it consume us. We may have to deal with it and walk through stuff, but don't let it be something that we rehearse and dwell on. The Bible says there'll be tribulation. The Bible says there'll be hard times, but the Bible says we focus on him who is our eternal hope. We have a choice to make. We've got to be so intentional about our thoughts and how we look after our heart. Because here's the thing, nobody else can do it for us. I can't abdicate responsibility to Dave as my husband to look after my thought life and my heart. I can't. It comes down to me. So if I'm sad, I'm despondent, I'm crushed, I'm broken, guess what? It's because I've got myself into that place. And it's not got anything to do with circumstances because you look at Paul and what he went through and he said, we are more than overcomers. It's completely a choice. It's the way that we look at things. Sometimes we're too easy on ourselves. We stroke ourselves and go, oh, poor me. We live, we live very emotion-based. But we're not called to live by emotions. The Bible doesn't say that. It says the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. We aren't ruled by those things. Our emotions go up and down. We have choices to make each day. And as we navigate the rough times of life and the mountaintops of life, we can navigate it in any season with a merry heart and with joy because we are connected to the anointed one. We've read that. Any season and every season, a happy heart will be like a continual feast to us. And the wonderful thing about this is, this happy heart that God wants us to live with, this joyful heart, this merry heart, this cheerful heart, whilst it's very intentional on our behalf, the amazing thing is that it's not reliant completely on our own strength to do it. We're not reliant on that because gladness and joyfulness and a merry heart is part of our inheritance as a result of being connected with God. The good news of salvation in Isaiah 61, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's, uh, he has anointed me. And it goes on to say what God has anointed Jesus to do to heal the sick. But it says in verse 3, to give you the oil of joy for mourning. Yes, there are going to be tough times, but the Spirit of God is going to give us the oil of joy. In Hebrews 1.8, talking of Jesus, it says Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness. The Holy Spirit rested on Jesus, which meant that even though he went through adversity after adversity after adversity, he was anointed with the oil of um, gladness and the oil of joy because the Holy Spirit rested on him. Guess what? The Holy Spirit rests on us now. He was given to us to be our comforter, our guide. And one of the facets of the Holy Spirit is he is like the oil of joy and gladness. He is our source and our provision. I find that so exciting, so, so exciting because it's not me battling with things. It's like I can live with a merry heart because I've been anointed to live with a merry heart. God has anointed each one of us to live with a merry heart. 
He's not asking us to do anything in our own strength. He's saying just receive it, believe it, and live it out. Make a decision to live it out, to allow the life and gladness and joy of the Lord to be our strength, to allow it to flow from us. I get, honestly, I get so excited. Do you know what? Christians should be the most happy, most happy, most exuberant, most joyful people. In the world, we've got so much to be joyful of and about. But we've just got to make sure we focus on the right things, hey? We've just got to make sure every day that we, we re, and it is, it is a choice every day. Sadly, it's not a popper pill and everything will be okay. We have to engage in this process. But we're able to. We're completely able to. And as we make a choice to set our hearts on things and live from a merry heart, the Bible says it's going to be life and health to our bodies. It's going to help us. It's going to cause us to go through life with strength. What a prescription! What a prescription to go through life with a merry heart. Not sure about you, but I don't want to write a different prescription to live by. I don't want to follow perhaps the loudest bang of the drum of this world where all you hear is all the bad stuff that's going on and how life is doomed and everything's tough and recession is coming and look at the violence and look at the sin. If we focus on all of that, we are going to be downtrodden. We are going to be downtrodden. We are going to be sad and despondent. But the thing is, the Bible says that we, he's in this world. God knows everything. He's placed us here. And he says we are now the light of the earth. We are the light. His light is in us. And we are light in the darkness. And we can be that light by choosing to live according to the wisdom found and contained in his word. Proverbs 4.20 says this. As I conclude, and musicians, you can come up on the stage now. My child, this is an encouragement to all of us. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. For they bring life to those who find them. And healing to their whole body. Life to those who find them. Healing to their whole body. At the beginning I said that the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. He illuminates the way before us. We never have to grapple in the dark wondering how to do life. All we need to do is receive the word of wisdom that comes from the scripture. Pay attention to it. Listen carefully to it. Don't lose sight of it. Let it penetrate into us. And as we do that, we'll find life come for, as a result of it. We'll find healing for our whole body. Amen. Let me pray as we go. Lord, we thank you today for your word to encourage us. Lord, we thank you that you have empowered us all through your Holy Spirit and through your life being sacrificed on the cross for us to live a life that is filled with hope and joy. Lord, today we want joy to be our portion. We thank you that you are our portion. And in this place, we pray that you would help us to live this out daily. You would help us to live with the merry heart that you have gifted us with. Help us, Lord, we ask to make decisions to focus on you and magnify the right things in our lives. Lord, we thank you that your word to encourage us is to strengthen us, to see us go from strength to strength today. And Lord, we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen.